you have your Bibles this morning, turn to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is where we'll take our text from this morning. And I love that song, and I love it uh, when the song goes right along with the sermon. And he's, he is a wonderful Savior, amen? A Savior that, that we can't even fathom how much He loves us. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we're going to start reading in verse number 1, read through verse 11. So if you would stand to honor the reading of God's Word, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. The Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthian church, he says this. He says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand. By which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep, or some have died. After that he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And last of all he was seen of me also, as one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, that am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Therefore, whether were I or they, so we preach... And so you believe. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And Lord, I thank you, God, for these folks that have come out this morning to be in your house. Lord, I, it, it absolutely humbles me, God, that people are putting aside what's going on in the world, Lord, and they're, they're coming to hear your word. Lord, thank you for that. And God, I just pray that as the word goes out, Lord, that it would be your voice that would be heard. And God, that you will be greatly glorified this morning. God, I just pray that you would use me as your vessel. God, help me to, to say only what you would have me to say and nothing more, nothing less. Give me clarity of mind and clarity of speech. But God, let the Holy Spirit do the preaching. And Lord, we love you. God, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We get to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and Corinth is, is who this letter was written to. It was a church that had a lot of problems. I mean, if you, if you look back at the city of Corinth in this time, the f first century when Paul was writing this, it was, it was absolutely full of wickedness. It was full of idolatry. It was full of adultery, fornication, and all these other things that, that, that God hates were in this city. But yet, in spite of all that sin, and in spite of all the things that were going on there, God saw fit to save those people. 
And, and I look around at the current situation we're in, and, and I'm not even talking about the sickness and, and all that. I'm talking about the sin that we're facing in the world. Did you realize we're absolutely just, just living in a sinful place right now? Would you say amen to that? I mean, it, it's everywhere you look that, that, that it's just sin is rearing its ugly head. It may be manifesting itself, as I said, just like Corinth. Maybe through idolatry, people putting things before God. And, and it may be rearing itself through uh, sexual sin, whether it be fornication or adultery or whatever that, that may be. And it may be a number of other things. And, and, and did you know this, that sin is rearing its ugly head right now through hatred? Seems like everybody's hating everybody, aren't they? I mean, just, just everybody's out to get everybody, and, and, and it just seems like everybody's at odds. And, and God wants no part of that. God wants no part of that. But in spite of all that, guess what? God still loves people. In spite of, of all the things that are going on, and, and in spite of even people's own selves, God loves people. And God cares about people and God looks at their souls. He looks beyond their fleshly things that they're doing. And he says, he either looks at a person, he says they're either lost or saved. And that's, that's it. That's the end of it. And so we get here to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And, and I'm not going to go into great depth about all the things that Paul corrected in the book. But, but up until basically 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul is having to go through and having to just almost one by one correct these people's sins. But that's not the message this morning. When we get to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we see that Paul starts going in and he starts talking about two things. And I'm just going to simply preach on those two things this morning. And I couldn't think of a better thing to preach on. The verse number 1, I'll read it again. He says, Moreover, brethren, he says, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you which also you have received and wherein you stand. The first thing that Paul talks about is after he gets done straightening out their sin and all those things, then he starts talking about the gospel. He starts preaching on the gospel. And the gospel, we, we all think we understand what that is and we all have a pretty good understanding of it. But just in case you don't this morning, I'm going to tell you what the gospel is. The gospel is simply this. The word gospel means this. It means good news. And the gospel is exactly that. It is good news. In a world full of bad news, in a world full of sin, the only thing that's really good news is the fact that Jesus came and died for your sins. That's good news, isn't it? And Paul goes on and he elaborates on that. And he says this. He says this is the gospel. In verse number 3, I love the way he puts it, so I'm just going to read it straight from Scripture. He said, this is the gospel. This is what I delivered unto you first. He said that Christ died for our sins. Now let's stop right there for a moment and just talk about that Christ, what, what he died for. Everybody in here, I hope this morning, is willing to admit that at some point in your life you have sinned. Amen? You have sinned whether you're lost or saved. You have committed sin. And I want you to understand this, that, that God hates sin. Would you say amen to that? God hates it because as sinful as we are, God is holy. In fact, God is so holy that he can't even look upon sin. Did you know that? That he won't have anything to do with sin. But yet he sent his son in the form of a, of a man to die for our sins. 
And, and I'm not going to stand up here and confess to you this morning, and, and I don't expect you to confess to me because I'm not a priest, okay? So we're not going to do any confession this morning, but you can think back over your life of all the things that Christ died for, and, and I think, wow, how wonderful is that? I can think about the situations that I have been in and the places that I have been that I shouldn't have been in the sins that I committed. And I think, praise the Lord, they're covered by his precious blood that he died for those sins. And then I think of another great writing of the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans, chapter 3, verse 23. And, and most of you know this verse by heart. It says, for all have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. That every single person, no matter how, how young or how old, that, that you, you, you sinned. And, and i tell you what, I've got a toddler and he's, he's in children's church. And last week I went out, get this, I went out and my kid, Barrett, two years old, is sitting between Randall and Mike on the bench out here under the TV. And Lacey looks over there and goes over and talks to him. And she walks back over. And I said, what, why is Barrett sitting over there? And she said, well, apparently he got kicked out of class for fighting. <laughs> That's good for the preacher's kid to get kicked out of class for fighting, isn't it? <laughs> and y'all think that's funny, but your kid could do the same thing. So don't laugh at me too much. And I think about, well, why was my two-year-old, why was he fighting? He was fighting Tanner's kid. I go ahead and tell you, he was beating up on Judah. I'm sorry, brother. <laughs> but no doubt that why he was fighting is he probably wanted something another kid had. And you know what that is? That selfishness and that sin. As a, as a two-year-old little boy, he hasn't reached the age of accountability yet, but, but he already knows how to sin. And as hard as it is for y'all to believe this, I didn't teach him how to be selfish. His mama did. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. He just picked it up. It, it, it's natural. Sin is, is so natural for us because that's just the body that we live in. I like to call our fleshly body, sometimes I call it sinful mud because that's just what it is. It's just dirt and water with, with some sin on top of it. But see, the thing is, is that as, as, as hopeless as we may seem, God looked past that. God looked past our sin and he looked into our soul and said that, that if that sin, if it, if it, if it comes to pass and if, if they die in that shape, then they go to hell. Because Romans 6.23 says this, for the wages of sin is death. I mean, for, for everything that you do, for every sin that you've committed, you are worthy of death. Because God is holy. And God looks at that sin and says that every single one of those sins you should die for. But the thing about it is, here's, here's the problem with that, that, that if, if Tanner, I don't know what your sin is, but, but whatever it is, if I found out that Tanner sinned and I said, all right, you're going to have to die for that, then guess what? He's going to die and he's just going to die in that shape and he's just going to have to go to hell. Why? Because he can't pay for his own sin. He can't do it. He is absolutely unworthy. And I'm unworthy to pay for your sin. And you're unworthy to pay for my sin. We stand here this morning so absolutely unworthy. But yet God loved us anyways. And so he sent his son to pay that ultimate price. It says, for, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And then he says, for the wages of sin is death. And then he says, but... 
the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so Jesus died, and then Paul goes on in chapter 3, and he keeps talking. He says, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And then he was buried. You know, he was, he was graveyard dead. I was reading something this week, or, or maybe you know, I was listening to the radio, and they were talking about that there's a, there's a myth amongst, amongst the Jews that Jesus didn't really die, that he just passed out. And that, that if, did you know that if Jesus would have just passed out, you guess what you would be? You would still be in your sins. If Jesus would have just fainted, you know, the, the Jews, they like to say, well, Jesus, he didn't, he didn't really die. You know, he just, he had the life almost beat out of him and, and he was almost there, but he didn't quite make it. And that when they put him in the cool of the tomb that, that, that he was able to revive, that's hogwash. You don't think, get this, and I'll take you back to the cross. I won't read it this morning. The Bible says that it was almost dark and that the Roman soldiers were sent out to break the legs of those that were on the cross. That they were not going to let those Jewish people, the two thieves and Jesus, hang on the cross past dark because it would be the Sabbath. And so the Roman soldiers, guess what the Roman soldiers' business was? That to deal death to people. That's what Romans did. That's what the whole Roman Empire was just about. They would just go out and they would conquer people. And they knew what they were doing when it came to death. And it says that they broke the thieves' legs. But then they got to Jesus and they made the discovery that he was dead already. Now those Romans didn't kill him. Did you know that? Jesus said, into, my, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Talking to the Father. And Jesus died. See, if Jesus hadn't have died, sin wouldn't have been paid for. Because Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. It's not almost death. It is death. And that sin had to be paid for. The ultimate sacrifice had to be made. And then they put him in the grave and, and he laid there for three days. And then the Bible says this. It goes on in verse number four and he finishes the story. He said that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. So if you want the gospel of Jesus Christ, here it is. It's really simple. It's not hard to understand. It doesn't take a rocket scientist that Jesus died and was buried and, and rose again. There's the gospel. And that's where your hope comes from. As saved people, some of you in here have been saved probably 40 and, and 50, 60 years. I don't know. But you, you never should get over the fact that God gave you grace and gave you the gospel and that one day that you heard it. And this apostle Paul, this man that we said wrote this book, I'm going to tell you his testimony. See, Paul is actually a changed name from, from Saul. And most of you know that, but some of you may not. And this man, Saul, he was an extremely wicked man. But guess what he did? He went to church every time the doors were open. Do you know that? Say amen, Tanner. That's right, isn't it? <laughs> Paul, who was an extremely wicked man, who, who wanted anybody that called upon the name of Christ dead, he wanted Peter, James, and John dead. He wanted those guys stamped out, just, just erased from history. And then one day as he was on his way to, to a city to deliver papers to have some Christians arrested, we have what we call the Damascus Road experience. 
And it was a very dramatic event. It was where Paul and his companions were riding down the road and then all of a sudden that a light shone and, and that, that they just kind of fell to their faces and that, they, that Paul was blinded and a voice started speaking to him out of heaven. And he said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? See, the thing about the gospel, as awesome as it is, as wonderful it is, as it is, the gospel is very confrontational. The gospel confronts people. As, as much as God loves you, He is going to confront you with your sin before He saves you. And that voice from heaven said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He, he encompassed Paul's sins, or Saul's sins, right there in one sentence. Why are you persecuting me? That, that means that Paul was a, a murderer, that Paul locked people in prison that were innocent, that, that he was just doing all kinds of things to, to just try to bring shame to the name of Jesus. And yet even this wicked man who was on his way to arrest people, God found it in his heart to send the gospel to him. And I think of all of us in this room that are saved, we all had to have our Damascus Road experience. It, it, now, when I got saved, it wasn't that, that the light shone down from heaven and, and that I heard an audible voice say, Seth, Seth, why are, you, why are you sinning? But yet it still had to come to me and I had to be confronted with the fact that I was a sinful person and that I could not save myself. And everybody in here that has called upon the name of, the, of Jesus had to have that. You had to understand just how wicked and how sinful you really are in order to be saved. Now, I get it that not everybody has, has been that wicked. Some of you grew up in church and you lived right and you did right, but you still had to come to grips with the fact and be confronted with your sin and the fact that you're unable to save yourself. And so he gives us the gospel. And I believe as he's giving that gospel and as he's talking about it, that, that he talks about and he starts talking about all the witnesses. And then we move down to verse number 8. So you can kind of move on down with me there if you want to. In verse number 8, Paul is talking about all the witnesses of Jesus' resurrection. And he says, At last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. And I believe he kind of hung his head maybe when he wrote this. And he says, for, for I am the least of the apostles that am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. That Paul was having to relive all those wicked things that he did. That Paul in his mind was thinking about the fact that he saw Stephen stone and how that he had had Christians killed at his order and all these things that he had done and yet he thinks about all this and he thinks about the gospel and how he was confronted with it and then he kind of changes his tenor for just a moment and he's going to go to another word and this is another word that we need to focus on. He talks about how sinful he was and all that he did and yet in spite of all that we get to verse number 10. And this is a beautiful verse. And this is going to be the focus of the rest of the message. And he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. 
but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. So three times in this one verse, Paul says that word grace. He says it over and over and over again. He said, I was confronted by the gospel, and I realized just how sinful that I was. So you go back to Romans chapter 6, verse 23, and it says the wages of sin is death. But then there's that word, there's a conjunction there, and it says, but, but. He says, but. And, and he, the whole verse changes right there. And he says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then we get to Romans 5, 8. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Paul wrote all these verses, by the way. And he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Do you know what grace is? Michael Conley's in here. Hey, Michael. I I didn't notice you were here. And Michael Conley was my Sunday school teacher uh, several years ago. I know he don't look that old, but he was. He's he's back there. And I grew up with a guy. And I still remember one of your Sunday school lessons. I was listening. And Michael taught on grace one day. And he taught me, Michael did, that grace is just simply this. It's unmerited favor, isn't it, Michael? It's favor that you don't deserve. It's favor that you cannot earn. And it's favor that saves you from all of your sins. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Now, Paul wasn't about to boast about what he was, but I'll tell you what he was. He was a church planner. He was a missionary. He was a preacher, and most of all, he was a soul winner. Remember, these people that he was writing to in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, they were converts of Paul. He had started this church, and, and, and all these people had been, probably most of them at least, had been saved under Paul's preaching, and they knew what he was, and they knew how great of things that he had done as, as bad as he was I believe that when, when Paul repented and repentance is simply turning from something and going the other way that's what repentance is and Paul was headed this way towards hell with the blood of many Christians on his hands and he had that Damascus Road experience and he turned and he went the other way 180 degrees and as hard as he worked to persecute the church then Paul turned the other way and started doing all that he could to bring honor and glory to the name of Jesus. And you know how he did that? Through God's grace. He became what he became because God was gracious towards him. He didn't deserve that. Can I say that you don't deserve what you have this morning? You don't, de- you don't deserve to be sitting here in this church this morning. You don't, if you're saved, you don't deserve to be on your way to heaven. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just being honest with you. That you don't deserve it. You sure haven't earned it. Amen. You can't do it yourself. It is by the grace of God that you are what you are. And, and it's by God's grace that you're even able to be here this morning. And Paul, he didn't want to talk about the gospel without talking about grace. He said that while we were yet sinners, Romans 5, 8, that Christ died for us. That's grace right there. That's, that's something we didn't deserve. That, that even before we were born, and that even God knew that we would be in our sins, that he died for us anyways. He died for the worst of the worst. 
And we find His grace is sufficient, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I won't go there too deep this morning. But he talks about how that, that He is what He is by the grace of God. And he said, in His grace which was bestowed upon me. And then he says, but the grace of God which was with me. Paul didn't go anywhere that he went without the grace of God being with him. And we don't go anywhere as a Christian. This is a beautiful thing. Think about this. That everywhere you go, that God's grace is with you. That no matter what situation that you're in, that God has, you have unmerited favor. I talked about last week how that God favored Joseph. Do you all remember that? And, and, and all that. But God favors people too. God favors you and he, he favors you in spite of your mistakes. See, let me tell you this, that, that I wish that I could stand here this morning and tell you that when you get saved, that you're a perfect human being. And I think that people have a misconception of that. I think that, that, that some folks, and especially folks that weren't necessarily raised in church, they'll think, well, now that I'm saved, now that I've, I've asked Jesus into my heart, that I'm never going to mess up again. That's the wrong answer. I wish that was true, don't you, Brother Cecil? I really do. I wish that, that when I got saved, when I was 10 years old, that I could say that everything has been great since then and that I have never made a mistake again. But that's not right. If you want to know if I make mistakes or not, ask Lacey. I'm sure she'll be happy to tell you. Right, sweetheart? I love you. And all you husbands, are y'all are laughing at me, but it's the truth. You want to know about somebody's sins, just ask their spouse. They know what's up. And I wish that I could say that everything was great and that I hadn't made a mistake, but I have. But see, the wonderful thing about it is, is that, that that grace that was there when I knelt down at an altar and got saved is still with me today. And that when I make a mistake and when I fall short of the glory of God, that, that He is still willing to forgive me of my sins. It's unmerited. It's not that I can, I can save up a bunch of good deeds and then trade them in when I do something wrong. It's not that. That is not the way it works. That, that God forgives you in spite of yourself. He gives us unmerited favor. Now this morning I've been giving you verse by verse what, what you would call the Romans road. Any, any of you Christians know the Romans road by heart? And he goes on to say that Paul goes to, to Romans chapter 10, and, and I'm almost done here this morning. In Romans chapter 10, he, he's going to talk about grace, and he's going to talk about the gospel in this one, these two verses. He said, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. See, another word that, that I didn't mention a whole lot is Paul talks about believing. If you get to, to back to verse 1, he says, Which I preached unto you, which you have received, and wherein you stand. And then in the next verse, he says, What I've preached unto you, he said, I hope you haven't believed it in vain. Becoming a Christian... It's so simple that, that all you have to do is just believe. That you believe the gospel. 
that you believe in grace. Christians, their nicknames, uh, one of them is a believer, right? That we believe all these things. Now Paul, he gave us this testimony that I read at the very beginning of, of the sermon about how that, that he was seen of all these people, right? That he was seen of the 500 and he was seen of Cephas and of the apostles and that finally Paul saw him. And, and he has this, this, this witness of this. But I've never seen any of that. I didn't get to witness any of those things, but yet I can still believe it this morning. And so I just present you with this question, and it's real simple. If you're lost and you're hearing me this morning, I want you to ask yourself this question, do I believe or do I not believe? He says, for with the heart man believeth, but then he goes on to say this, and it doesn't stop there. He says, and with the mouth, he said, if you'll just confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, you can be saved. Confession is made with the mouth unto salvation. It's not that you have to join the church as we talked about earlier to, to become a Christian. Christianity is, is not a club. A lot of people treat it like it is, amen. It's not a club. It's not a, a thing that, that you're just read into and hey, all of a sudden you're part of the church. That's great for you. Being a born-again Christian is, is far more than that. Being a born-again Christian goes far above this church. It's, it's worldwide, and, and, and being part of the body of Christ is such a wonderful thing. I don't understand why people would not want to do it. Why people could sit and listen to the gospel and the fact that Jesus suffered and died on a cross for their sins, and yet they want to accept Him as their Savior. I don't understand that. I've preached probably thousands of sermons since I've been a preacher. And I, almost every sermon I try to, to throw the gospel in there. But this morning I'm preaching it in a very explicit fashion. I'm just throwing it right out there as open as I can. To say that if you're lost this morning, you need to be saved. How simple, how much, how hard is that? It's not hard. It's, it's not a, a, a complicated thought this morning. That you need to accept the good news of the fact that Jesus died for your sins. You need to come and you need to be a partaker of His grace. He'll give it to you. I promise. I've told, I gave you all the testimony of a guy I won to the Lord several years ago named Alan and how he was on meth and, and how he was, he's just, he was a bad dude and he's you know, covered in tattoos and all those things. And every time that I would give him the gospel, I would, just, I would be really honest with him and almost every time, he would say, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know the sins I committed. And I would say, no, and I don't want to know those sins. But God knows them, and he will forgive you. He knew the apostle Paul's sins. He knew that, that, that Paul was on his way to persecute the church, and yet he still showed grace to Paul. And the wonderful thing about it is, is that God doesn't just have a certain measure of grace and then when that runs out, it's all over with that God has unlimited grace and that God is still willing to give you as much grace as He gave the Apostle Paul. And I tell you, as I live my life, I need His grace and I need His mercy and I need Him every single day. But it, you have to start somewhere and that is with the acceptation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
You have to accept Him as your Savior. You have to confess that with your mouth. And He says if you'll just believe and confess, He said you can be saved. It's that simple. Why would you not do it? Why would you put it off any longer than right now? Why? Brother Cecil, come. The singers, come up here and get that, that wonderful, merciful Savior song ready. I'm going to pray this morning. And if God has dealt with you, I would ask you to be honest with yourself. And don't worry about other people. Just worry about you and eternity this morning. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, and what it means to us. God, I just pray that as your word goes out, Lord, I hope that somebody has, has been confronted this morning. God, I hope that you have opened somebody's eyes and the Lord that most of all that they will open their heart to you. God, we trust you, Lord, to do your work this morning. Lord, we trust you that, that the Holy Spirit has been out in the aisles moving this morning, God, dealing with somebody. This was no accident that I preached this this morning. God, we praise you, Lord, and we thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen.